how coaches make people work through what happens if there's two minutes left in the game and we're down seven points and we need to make a touchdown and blah, 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 blah. And like, they've actually worked through all those scenarios. And that's the same thing that he was talking about actually in sales and negotiation is writing down like what could happen that would throw you off your game. And what are you going to do if that happens and working through that so that you aren't just expecting everything to be rosy, but you actually know, oh, this person said this, I got it when that happens. Welcome to the Juicy Closers Podcast, where it's all about juicing your sales game so you can earn more money in less time. Join us in creating Yes Closers. Subscribe now to never miss a juicy tip. Now, here are your hosts, Tina Gray and Janelle Holden. Hey there, Tina. Hey, Janelle. How's it going today? It's good. It's Thursday? Friday. <laughs> it's Thursday. Thursday. It's Thursday. But exactly. it is your Friday because tomorrow is your birthday, so Yay. you'll be out. Yes, yes, yes. That's exciting. Um, so we've got some things to share today that we're really excited about. First off, we're going to talk about what's been happening in our world. We've been doing lots of sales this week. Um, so we're going to share some of the tips and tricks that we have been using this week. I wouldn't say tricks actually, but tips that, uh, we are using on this particular launch, um, to help us succeed. And then, um, I wanted to share a little bit about a training that I just went to on negotiation and how that would, um, impact people's sales skills. And so I want to share some things that I learned there. Um, and then we'll talk about anything else that's coming up. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. I love, uh, negotiation tools. So I can't wait to hear what you learned. Yeah. So you texted me a few days ago, maybe it was just yesterday and you're like, yay, sale. I love Q and a style calls. It's my sweet spot. And I was like, Hmm. I wouldn't say that it's my favorite, but it's not bad. So I was like, let's hear more about how Tina um, does it with Q&A styles of sales calls and uh, some of the tips that you have for people. Yeah. So I do want to start by saying it's definitely not a ideal scenario if that client doesn't know what the program details are uh, already. And so with this client, we've been very fortunate that her marketing team is fantastic. And so by the time they book in with me, they've already read through all the sales page, the, the offering, what it's about. And so then they're already sold for the most part, right? And so there's just a few more lingering questions that really help solidify their yes. So that's why it was really fun to do. Um, And if that's the case with the leads that are coming in for you guys, then you know you don't have to go into a whole long conversation with starting off with, you know, all the things that we have taught you up to this point. You don't need to. You can kind of just jump to the chase, right? Uh, Or the what is that what's that saying? <laughs> Get to the point. Yes. Yes. That's perfect. I know, right? It's like you said, my Friday, my brain is half checked out. Um <laughs> Get to the point. Exactly. And so, um, you know, in these calls, I'm just like, hey, I'm super excited. Thanks for sharing a little bit more about your interests because we did capture a lot of the information about them already. 
And particularly, we've asked what kind of questions you had. So they already submitted that for me. So it was a really easy way to be like, oh, I'm, I'm here to answer all your questions and really get you started. Um, and I did see that you've asked about these things. And so tell me a little bit more about um, what your concerns are, or your questions. And then we just go bam, 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 pound it out. Like, what about this? What about that? And then I just answer it. And you always tie it back into why it's important to them too and why they really want to know. And then it just is a conversation. At the end, they're like, well, I don't have any more questions for you. And I'm like, awesome. Well, does this mean you're ready to get started? And they're like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Great. Let's get you all signed up and enroll. So <laughs> one of my favorite ones and. This week, it took about nine minutes <laughs> the call because I pretty much was customer service with a bunch of the questions and answers. And that's when I text you and I was like, ah, these are amazing because they were so hot and warm and ready to go. Uh, but like I said, that's not always the case. Um, and hopefully when it is, you know how to close it and not linger on another 30 minutes if they're ready to do it. Yeah. For sure. And I love that you gave the closing questions. Well, so awesome. You ready to get started? Are you ready to go after you've got all the questions answered? Um, so that's fantastic. Another one could be, you know, what do you think is the next step here? Um, just a slightly bit softer, slight, slight bit softer than, or less direct. So if you're feeling, you know, worried about being too direct, you can always use that one so that they're like, oh, well, how do I get started or what do I do next? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And another one too, because with this audience, they're very, you know, um, in the feels of things. And so I'll be like, well, uh, does this feel like a good fit? Does it feel like you're ready to do this? Um, and so it kind of softens it with the feel. What, how do you feel about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I feel good and uh, I'm excited. And yes, I think I'm ready. And I'm like, all right, cool. So you can either, you know, um, sign up right now and get you started or I'll just send you the link and get you enrolled. Which one works better for you? Yeah, perfect. Perfect, perfect. Close like a pro, like Tina. Mm. Um, Thank you. Love it. Yeah, and in this particular style of things, so um, I want to share a little bit about the difference in the way that people use us as a sales team or have us come in as a sales team. Sometimes we're closing all of the sales, so there's no way for them to buy except through us as a sales team. And, um, and that's a specific style of sales. It depends on whether it's an application process and there's a limited number of people to get in, just kind of more like a job interview. Um, or if it's more like an evergreen, but they still need to be the right fit and it's a, quite a high dollar price point. Or in this case, it's, they get to see the sales page. They get to hear the whole pitch. They usually have been engaged with the person for quite a long time and, we're getting the people who are on the fence. So they, they, those people who are like, yes, I'm in, I have zero questions. They've all been answered. They purchase from the sales page. We don't talk to them. We talk to the people who are like, but what if I can't make it, uh, to this thing? Is there a way for me to work around that? And like, what if, uh, I'm really busy with school? Am I going to be able to have the time to be a success at this? And really what it boils down to is this fear of, I won't succeed if I don't know all the things that 
I need to know in order to succeed. And I want to feel assured that I'm, if I invest in this, I will be able to succeed at it, right? Exactly. And those people, I'd say, probably scored high on the fact finder in the Kobe index. <laughs> would you yeah. say? Yes. Yeah, I would say so. And I, and that's why with them, I usually go into a lot more detail. I talk quite a bit after their questions and I stop and I'll say, does this make sense? How do you feel about that? What other questions do you might have? So that they feel like there's a lot of thoroughness in the answers to their questions. So it's not just like if they say, well, how much time is it going to take per week? I don't just go five to six hours, then full stop, you know, uh, I'll say, well, it's five to six hours and that includes this, this, and this. Um, but you know, you'll be able to do it at blah, 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 blah time. So I go over a little bit more in my descriptors with these people because they tend to like that. So yes, exactly. I love that. Um, and that is really going to help reassure them that that's totally fine. <laughs> and they never, they never say back like, oh, well that doesn't work. You know, like they're just like, oh, yeah. okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you for explaining more. Yeah. And so this particular type of launch is actually um, the most common way that when we first got started, people were doing selling course sales in the industry and group coaching. Um, they would have a, a sales page and then the sales team would be there to answer chats, answer emails, take appointments for anyone who was like, I need my questions answered before I give you my money. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and oh, totally understandable. Um, and there is a, I would say kind of a myth or maybe a misnomer in the industry that um, if you go above a certain price point that they absolutely have to have a sales call in order to buy. And Personally, I think that's wrong. I, I don't know how you feel about it, Tina, but I always think there's going to be a subset of people who, when they hear the offer or they're presented with an email or whatever, are going to say yes. And in that case, take their money and move them into the program and help them get the transformation that they're looking for. And then there's always going to be a subset of people who are on the fence and that's the people who are going to need some more handholding. And there's always going to be some people who are flat out, no, this isn't going to work for me. And you need to give those people enough information about the price and what's involved in order for them to say no immediately so they don't waste the sales team's time and try to be in that other category, right? Yes, absolutely. And that is so true. And I 100% agree with what you said, where sometimes there's that belief, right? That, hey, it's super expensive. So no way these people are just going to buy straight from not talking to anybody. And I think that's a huge limiting belief for a, a lot of people. Um, and it really hinders their ability to gain clients in a way that's a lot easier than they think it could be, right? Um, and for that to be able to be possible for them, they need to make sure their marketing is really tight. Um, all the marketing message, the branding and everything just completely speaks to that ideal client because it happens. And yes, um, you know, for, for example, like me and you, Janelle, like we shop pretty quickly. And so if we can read all that information and feel like it's a good fit and after an initial demo, not even Q&A, but just like, I want to get a feel for this. Um, we say yes when it's a right fit and we don't need handholding around our decision for that. Right. Yeah, I, d I 
I think I would be pretty annoyed with hand holding. Um, but, <laughs> but I do want to feel like a good chemistry with someone. So a call can be really helpful for me to know if I don't, if I haven't built up that trust well enough with them, or if I don't know them well enough yet, a call will bring that trust level up for me to say, okay, I've already seen the deliverables. I know what the price is. I know what's involved here. Now I have the trust with that person. So now it's a yes. So it brings up the trust, um, right away. And, uh, for, we are getting some leads who don't know this particular client very well, not very many of them. But in that case, we have to start from a little bit of a different approach and say, watch this webinar first, um, read this thing first before you talk to us, because it's kind of a waste of time for them to start with us, with the sales team in some ways, because uh, in the coaching industry, the star of the show is the coach. And really they have to have trust in that coach in order to buy. And so if they've never heard of that person before, it takes us a lot more effort because we're not that person to bring them up to that level of trust in a call. Exactly. Yes. So uh, it's important um, when you're the business coach um, or owner to really be able to build that trust with your audience already, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, the way that this particular client does is she's she has 20 years experience in the industry. She's won a lot of awards. She's been mass marketed her information, uh, like in Target, you know, you, 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 she's semi-famous in this world that she's in. So that can build up trust as well, because people can see that other people have trusted her enough in those other areas. But we've got to We've got to help with that too. So all that said, the art of the Q&A call in the coaching realm, I will say the other thing that I that we see that I think people aren't taking advantage enough of is a sales team in their launch because they think, oh, I'll, I only am going to get the yeses and I, I just focus on the yeses with my webinar, with my email marketing, and they forget about the in-betweens, those fact finders, and they might lose 30 to 50% of the sales that they would have made if they would have just allowed people to connect personally and ask their questions. Yes. I like to call them the maybes. <laughs> the <Yeah>. maybes <laughs> that be, can, can become yes. And they just need a little extra handholding, a little little touch here and there. Um, yeah. So totally agree with that. And that's where we come in. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, uh, as we talked about last week, I gave everybody a little piece of homework to go and watch a sales presentation or break down what you like about a sales presentation. And I had an opportunity to go to one today because a trusted friend, someone who we've actually had on this podcast, sent out an email and said, this person's going to be doing a webinar on negotiation skills. And, um, and she likes this person. And I'm like, well, if you like this person, I might like this person. Right? So nice. <laughs> so I, and I'm always curious to learn more about sales. I'm always interested in seeing different people's perspectives. So, um, I wanted to share a little bit about what I learned today with the audience. Cause I think that that helps me learn and it will help other people learn as well. Um, and I want to give credit where credit is due to Alistair who, um, McPhail, who, presented the Goliath negotiation method today. And um, I just want to walk through a few things that stuck out from, 
for me about what he had to say that were um, quite good. And we've been talking about personality all month long. And the first thing that he talked about in negotiation was personality types, that there's a certain go-to level that each person has. And I think this is the case with sales as as well. But he talked about how there's the person who's nice but nervous in a negotiation. Like, I don't want to seem greedy. I want to you know, maintain my, um, well, ego actually in all of this. I want, I want to be seen in a certain way. Um, but I do want to get what I want, but I'm really nervous about it. And I'm really nervous about asking for it. Um, and I'd say in direct sales, like we do, it's definitely, you can see that a lot more in the people who are doing sales for themselves versus their sales teams. Cause we're like, Hey, we don't take it personally. We're selling for this person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but we definitely uh, don't want complaints either. We 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 want to make sure that the rapport that we have with um, prospects is really good, so they're not writing to our clients and saying, "Hey, this person was terrible to me, and they made me feel awful." We never want that. So there's an element of that, and then there's the naturals and the supernaturals, and really what he's talking about there is people who get by on being naturally good at something and you know until it doesn't work and then they have to learn a new set of skills and i think that's the case for sales as well sometimes people are just naturally good at sales and it really works for them until it doesn't right mm-hmm. yeah and what to do about that right <laughs> exactly exactly and we will we will be working through that in sales camp um with people who want to know what to do when they hit a wall or they need more help um so a couple of things that he said that um, stuck out to me was he was talking about planning and preparing for your sales conversations or ne- ne- your negotiation, and that that part of things is the part that most people overlook and they don't spend very much time on it. And I don't, I mean, I don't like to dis- ascribe character to this, but I kind of think of it as a lazy way of selling. Like I'm just going to show up and win the deal, and everything's going to be rosy and you know, there's going to be no hurdles or I don't have to prepare at all. And really in anything in life, I think you've got to be willing to prepare and put in some time for you to be able to have success at it. Um, 100%. Yes. Yeah. But you were going to throw in a sports analogy there too, but. <laughs> oh, of course I was, but I, I was, I was holding back because I've put so many in. That's um, amazing. It's all good. <laughs> If I were to use a sports analogy, I would say that it would be how coaches make people work through what happens if there's two minutes left in the game and we're down seven points and we need to make a touchdown and blah, 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 blah. And like they've actually worked through all those scenarios. And that's the same thing that he was talking about actually in sales and negotiation is writing down like what could happen that would throw you off your game and what are you going to do if that happens and working through that so that you aren't just expecting everything to be rosy, but you actually know, oh, this person said this, I got it when that happens. Oh, well, I love that. That was a perfect analogy. See, all good. Uh, and for us with sales, um, that might look like 
preparing for some of those frequently asked questions, right? The things that you already know that typically will come up or concerns that you hear. And you can never prepare for all of it because sometimes you'll, you'll get hit with a new question that you're like, oh, I'll have to think about that. But instead of lying and making stuff up, you should be really transparent about it. Like, hey, you know what? That's a great question. I'm not, um, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to um, get back to you on that. Is that okay? And so then they appreciate that that you acknowledge you didn't know and you're still going to get back to them. Totally. A brilliant tip. Um, and the other thing that he talked about that we talk about a lot, but just in a different frame, he talked about creating value in a deal. So if someone is expecting something to be, let's say half of what it actually is, and they, you're wanting them to come up to, okay, let's say they thought it was $5,000 and it's actually $10,000, right? So they're in a little bit of sticker shock and they're like, ah, it wasn't what I expected. Mm -hmm. But there's usually wiggle room there. And what he was saying is don't negotiate on cash. Negotiate on um, things outside of cash where it's a high perceived value for your person who's at $5,000 and a low cost to you. So that's what we normally see in the coaching industry with bonuses, right? Where someone's like, oh, this is this bonus is really highly valuable to me. Um, it's going to be super helpful to me in getting what I want, but it's already been created by our clients and doesn't take them any more time to actually put together and can be mass marketed. Um, so we, we don't negotiate ever on price really in, in the sales in this industry, but if somebody's like, uh, you know, I, I need this or I need to f switch my dates around. We should have something in our back pocket to be able to make the deal more even. Yep, exactly. And I think what you're trying to say too, to summarize it all up is sharing more of the value that's perceived, right? And so then it's really not a numbers game at this point. It's like, hey, well, with this bonus, you're going to get really clear on X, Y, and Z, right? And that's what you're, yeah. you're looking for. And they're like, oh yeah, I mean- can you really put a price on that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so the other part that he talked about in terms of mindset that was interesting to me, and I've, I've been mulling it over since he shared that was, he said to be like a psychologist in a conversation. So what that means is if you're sitting, if you imagine a, a therapist sitting down with someone who's really angry or who's really sad, or who's really happy even, they're not taking on those emotions. They're, you know, you, you could imagine your psychologist like not really showing any emotion, but showing curiosity instead. So saying, oh, well, what specifically is making you upset about that? Or what specifically is making you sad about that? And so I think in my sales conversations, uh, I tend to mirror back what people's emotional states are. So I will say, you know, what I'm hearing is that this is really important to you, et cetera. Um, and that's more of a neutral state. But I will get happy with people and I will generally acknowledge their feelings a lot more than, you know, what a therapist would. Yeah, exactly. How about and you? The same, same. Um, and, you know, we talk about that a lot with uh, mirroring that other person, right? And really kind of matching their energy level and where they're showing up, which is important. I think um, in negotiation, it makes a lot of sense to be more neutral. But um, in sales specifically, it's hard to because you want to feel for them. 
you want to be excited with them. Or if they're down, you want to kind of, you know, again, be down and feel it for them too. And so um, that's a great, great point. I love that. And I think it comes in handy, especially if you do a sales call with two people on the sales call, where there's an amazing opportunity for you to be neutral because you don't want to take sides on a sales call when you are speaking to, say, the husband or the and the wife together on the call. Right, Janelle? Exactly. Um, <laughs> and it just gets awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good, good points. Um, and finally, I wanted to share his outline for his webinar that I thought was really good. I'm sure it follows certain marketing principles, but I thought I would share it with listeners because um, then you can think through how you would set something up. And this is actually a good frame for a person's pitch as well. So they are questions that a prospect is trying to answer in their head that you should answer for them. And you can do it in a slide format and a pitch deck or verbalize it, but they will need to know the answers to this. And that is, first of all, who will benefit um, from listening to this webinar, from taking this course, or from being a part of this program. Um, each program should be set up for a specific type of person. So you really want to outline and say, well, this is for so-and-so. And then the second question was, why listen to me, which is a positioning question, which is, what is it that puts me in a place of authority that you should think that my advice is important on this topic? And this is where you talk up through um, things like how many years you've been doing this, how many clients you've helped, what kind of results they've got, they've gotten from working with you. Um what uh, got you started in the industry in the first place. Um, and so all of those things are also important for people to understand. Most of the time before they talk to us, they already know those the answers to why listen to me, which is why it's so much nicer than when we have to tell them why listen to me, right, Tina? <laughs> yes, and a, a lot of that is their credibility, right? I mean, we represent amazing clients who have lots of experience in the industry. And like you said, have already set themselves apart. Um, they have all the certifications, the qualifications that we can imagine and name. So it really helps. Um, yeah. Yeah. And even if you're selling a product instead of a service, how this could help you in particular is for you to say, um, you know, I've been with this company for the last six months, year, 20 years, however long it is. Um, I've studied this type of product inside and out. I know the whole industry. I'm going to be able to show you exactly how to purchase something today that will fit your needs. And, um, you know, I, I know exactly how to match this particular type of product with any type of consumer. So that gives you positioning as a salesperson as well. Ex yep, exactly. Um, and while you were saying that, it made me think about, you know, in, for newer coaches, right? Because we always have that mindset of, oh gosh, like why would they listen to me? I'm so new at this. And there's that limiting belief. Am I good enough? Are they going to want to pay for this? Um, but where you can really shine at, is sharing your story behind how what you've learned really helped you get to this point. And for for most of every coach, what you're teaching others is what you've gone through, right? Um, you're always kind of your own client. And we see that over and over again in our industry. And so it's something like, hey, you know, um, I was a um, 
a new mom too. And, you know, I was not getting no sleep and I had to teach and figure out a way to X, Y, Z. And now I'm here and I'm thriving. I have tons of energy. My baby's happy and sleeping through the night, whatever it is. Um, so then people can relate to you. And that's the point is sharing your own story, right? And your vulnerabilities. And so people are like, okay, so she's not perfect. She's been through it. And so she can help me. I feel confident. Yeah, exactly. Um, if what they say is as long as you can show people that you know their pain and you've been able to overcome it, then you can build that trust with them. Even if you don't have, you know, 7,000 awards or 10,000, uh, and little letters after your name. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, and then you want to share what's the promise of whatever it is that you're planning to teach or offer and what's the transformation that people can expect. Oftentimes that is sharing success stories or case studies and being able to talk about what happened for that person um, and sharing different types of people and what happened for that person in their transformation. Yes. Um, yeah. And then finally, people spend way too much time. They think, oh, I'm going to have to develop so much content at my webinar. And really, you'll only need probably five to 10 key minutes, like not even nuggets, just five to 10 minutes of key information, something that can help people. Um, foundational principles that you're going to share with them and maybe a demonstration of how that works or a visual of how that works. And then you move to the pitch, um, which is, hey, do you like this? Do you want to implement it? Do you want to work with me? Here's what you can do to, to take that next step. And I thought this particular pitch was pretty hilarious because in all the emails, of course, it's like, there's nothing for sale. We won't be <laughs> pitching you. <laughs> you laughed. Because <laughs> we know that there's always something for sale. <laughs> there's always something for sale. And um, so at the end, you know, he's like, and here are my rates, and here's how to, and here's, you know, all the things about what I have to offer. And I'm like, this is a pitch. Okay, if people think that it's not, but it's a pitch. And it's. <laughs> It's. I was there to watch the pitch. Like I really wanted to see it because I enjoy seeing how people pitch and yeah, um, whatever. But it just cracked me up that there were all this like. And he even talked about it at the beginning. He's like, "I don't worry. Uh, you know, there's not going to be a huge thing at the end." I'm like, "There was a huge thing at the end, but that's okay." You know, <laughs> like it's well, it that's is what interesting. It is. So how did you feel when you heard that, though, at the end, knowing that he even said in the beginning that there wasn't going to be? Did it kind of turn you off? Mm. I think trust was lowered a bit because of that, Um, because it was much more of a pitch than I even thought it was going to be. I mean, I always know that there's going to be a pitch, but the way that he talked about it in his marketing and at the beginning of the email, I thought it was really going to be truly and simply. I was like, yeah, he's going to say at the end, if you want to book a call with me, here's how to do it. And, um, you know, or here's how to, here's my website and here's how to reach me. But it was definitely more involved than that. And it wasn't like a buy. It, he was true in the sense that there wasn't a buy now button. Like there was no sales page or anything like that. But there was definitely selling people on getting on a call with him. So mm-hmm. that was his next step. 
Um, and then he's like, and don't worry, this call will not be blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this call is going to be that way. So <laughs> <laughs> I find that anytime someone says, don't worry, it's not going to be salesy and da, 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 they're, they're really just solidifying that it probably will be. <laughs> just warning yeah. you. But yeah, I think the psychology of that is really interesting. Um, I don't know why we have to warn people about that. I mean, we're all yeah. adults. You can mm -hmm. decide to opt out of things. You get to decide how you feel about something, whether you're going to be triggered by it or not. Yeah. So I don't feel like there needs to be this huge windup of, don't worry, I'm not going to sell to you. Because are those people really the people you really want to sell to anyway? Someone who's totally afraid of hearing a sales pitch? No, no especially when you're not. trying to teach someone how to negotiate and be better at sales. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm so glad you got to witness it. And I wanted to know your opinion on that. Because, I mean, everything leading up to that pitch of his, do you feel like it was enough to convince you that, hey, this is really interesting, and I'd be interested in learning more, um, and potentially buying? Did that kind of come up at all? I thought it was really good, but no, I didn't have the urge to buy. I, I'm always interested in getting better at sales skills. So anything that I can see, and I think any person who's um, in sales as a profession should always be looking out for good trainings, new trainings, that are because that will definitely increase your income. Um, if you can get better at what you do in less time, you know, why not invest in that? Um, but I didn't go into it thinking that way. And I certainly wasn't to that level of feeling, yeah. feeling that way. I was entertained and I got, I got quite a bit of information. I felt better about his brand. Let's put it that way. But I'm, I'm certainly not even close to buying. So, <laughs> Especially after he said he wasn't going to sell anything. And then he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which um, is which is why like I I know I shared with you before, but like I just really the one thing that really irks me in, in our industry is the need to keep selling the fact that these are not sales calls. They are people. It's okay. It's okay. Yes. Everyone knows it is. So let's just not tiptoe around that and let's be honest. And so when we're ready to sell something, oh you bet we're gonna be like, yeah, this is a sales call, guys. <laughs> um, expect it and um come on in if you're ready for it. If you're not, that's totally fine. But it's nice because you're they're gonna self-select themselves out for you. And like you said, you don't want those people that are so afraid to buy to join. <laughs> yeah, take it on the chin, so to speak, meaning like put your chin out there, say, it's going to be, this is, I have something great to offer that you're going to want to buy. And if you come with that sort of energy versus I have something to sell, but I don't really want to sound like I have something to sell. And I don't want you to think that I may not have something. To, of course, people aren't going to buy that. It's just, uh, he was better than that. Let's just say, but I see, we see that a lot where people just tiptoe around their prices. They tiptoe around their sales process just be straight up out front with people and believe a hundred percent in your value. If you believe a hundred percent in what you have to offer and that it's there to transform and change the world, why wouldn't you shout it from the rooftops and not care if people think it's a sales pitch or not? Exactly. The confidence shows through. And when you're confident about your own offer and what you can help your clients, they're going to see that and feel really confident in you and want to invest in you. Um, so real simple, guys. 
<laughs> yeah, well, good place to leave it for today. Uh, we will go continue our conversation over on the juice. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash juicy closers. And uh, for a few bucks, go over and listen to some extra episodes from our conversations. So uh, hang on, Tina, we'll talk in a little bit in a little bit more. And thank you to all of our listeners. See you guys over there. Thanks, Juicy Closers listeners, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. So listen, would you like to be a little bit more in the know with us and get some special juice for free? We have a newsletter just for listeners that we'd love to give you. Just go to our website, defysales.com forward slash updates to subscribe. Juicy Closers is brought to you by Defy Sales. It is written and hosted by Tina Gray and Janelle Holden. Produced and edited by Julie Tran, creative writer Valeska Griffiths. Music for this episode composed by Drew Pigeon. And special thanks to Tiwana Ship and Eloisa Villanueva.